0: Hello, my name is Josh, and I am Media Director at Christian Life Austin, and I want to welcome you to this week's podcast. Today we begin a two-part series entitled 21 Revelations of the Cross. In this series, Lead Pastor Rex Johnson will speak on how Passover is a prelude to the cross and how it ties together with Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. And now, Pastor Johnson. Exodus 12, 1 and 2 says, And the Lord spake to Moses and to Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you, everybody say, the beginning beginning. of of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. So, what he's saying is, is that the month of Nisan will be the first month, it'll be the beginning. The beginning always starts with something that the Lord does in our life to change our whole concept. That's the beginning. And so we're going to talk about 21 revelations tonight. You may be seated. I want to ask you to stand again unless you really feel compelled to do it after a while when I'm preaching. I'm not going to do 21 tonight. You know that. I'm going to break it down. But the first revelation I want to talk about is simply this. The cross begins our life. That's where it all starts. It doesn't start when somebody lays hands on you. It doesn't start when God heals you. It doesn't start there. It always starts when you surrender your will to the cross. The Bible said it shall be the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year. Like January the 1st this year, 2015, New Year's Day. It was a beginning. How many of you folks made some New Year's resolutions Come on, raise your hand. I'm going to ask you something else now in just a minute. How many are still keeping them? All right. I said I wouldn't need any bluebell the first six months of this year. And I've already broken that. <laughs> I won't ask you what you've broken. 1 Corinthians 5 and 7 said Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Say amen to that. Amen. Jesus is our Passover. He is our protection, and He is our deliverance. The cross always starts a new beginning. Hear me. The cross always changes the calendar of your life. It erases the past. Because of the cross, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things have become new. We used to sing a song when I was a kid. At the cross, at the cross. Where I first saw the light. And the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I'm happy all the day. We must not, folks, insult God. The cross erased are yesterdays. And for you to be captured by your yesterdays after the cross has erased your yesterdays is an insult to God. The cross has changed your calendar forever. You're no longer living on the B.C. side of life. You're living on the A.D. side of life. Not before Christ, but after the death. But the word makes it clear that Jesus went to the cross to make a change in every one of our lives. The devil hates the work of the cross and the new birth. That's why he keeps bringing up the past to torment you. But there is no past, hear me, with God. He said he has put your sins as far away from you as the east is from the west. He has thrown them in the sea of forgetfulness. You may remember your yesterday, but God doesn't because he chooses to forget. And if God is going to forget, when I bring those things up to him, he's going to look at me and say, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't remember that. I don't know where you are in your life. Well, God, you know, I don't know where you are because when I forgave you, Folks, we need to live in a brand new beginning in our life and enjoy the fact that the cross and when hell reminds you of your past, I've said it all my life, remind him of his future. Remind the enemy of your future. Jesus is the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Everybody say amen to that. So the first revelation is that the cross is the beginning of a new life. Second revelation is the Passover lamb was ordained to die in due time. It was a due time. You know, know, I had a man took me to jump out of an airplane last October. Y'all remember that? On Veterans Day. That was the only day I've ever prayed for no sunshine. (laughs) I prayed for the clouds to stay together because you had to have clear clear skies to jump. We're going to jump from 14,000 feet. The thought of that was not the first foot, it was the thirteen thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine after that. That's a long way to fall. And they said it was going to free fall for one solid minute. Wow. Here's what I here's what I discovered from that. That day wasn't my day to die. Because if it was, I'd have died anyhow. So I looked back and said, well, I wish the clouds would have opened and I'd have jumped so I'd have been brave and said I jumped out of an airplane. But it's okay if you call me a chicken, that's fine. I thank God the clouds covered. (laughs) God said to the children of Israel to take the lamb on the 10th day. Everybody say the 10th day. This is the 10th day of Nisan, N-I-S-E-N. And set it aside until the 14th day. Everybody say the 14th day. So God told the Jewish nation not to touch Or to kill the Passover lamb until the 14th day of the first month. So it was an exact time of preparation for death. Look at this. It's no coincidence that the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, entered Jerusalem on the 10th day of the month. Palm Sunday was the 10th day of the month. I've done a little research, folks, on this. And I I studied the Jewish calendar from A.D. 29 to A.D. 36. And the only, the only time that Sunday was a Palm, Palm Sunday was a Sunday was AD 33. Isn't that amazing? John Baptist started his ministry in the 15th year of, of Caesar Tiberius, of Tiberius. And it was in 29 AD. And so John's ministry started six months, evidently before the Lord's, because a high priest, and John was after the order of his father and mother as high priest. And John was a priest. John was, John was a priest's son. And so John was 30 years old when he entered his ministry. But here's the situation. Six months later, Jesus entered his because he is our high priest. Amen? Amen? He is the eternal high priest. There's no high priest like Jesus Christ. Amen. And so around 30 A.D., the Lord started his ministry. Now, it's an historic fact confirmed by Scriptures. It's also not a coincidence. At the time from the first Adam to the second Adam, Jesus, the Lamb of God, was four thousand years in preparation. Stay with me now. That's four days. According to Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8. One day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Stay with me. Don't, don't lose me now. Jesus was set aside for four thousand years or four days. First Peter 1 18 through 20 said, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious, everybody say precious, blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained, foreordained, before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Now you got to listen to this. Not only was the Lord Jesus set aside for 4,000 years, but he rode into Jerusalem on a coat, aboard a coat, on the 10th day of the first month, that's the day that the Passover priest would pick the lamb that was perfect. All right. Arriving what we call Palm Sunday. Following his triumphant entrance into Jerusalem, one day passed, that's Monday. Two days passed, that's Tuesday. Three days passed, that's Wednesday. Four days passed, that is Thursday. He went to the cross. Have a wonderful thing to discuss with you next week. I'm not going to hurt you with it tonight. But I want to read one scripture to you before I pass on from this. Matthew 12 and 40. For as Jonas, Jesus said, was in the three days and, the, and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Here's what I want to tell you sophisticated, intelligent people. You can't get three nights in the, in the grave Friday night, Saturday night. up, oh, we, we're missing a night. So next Sunday, next Wednesday, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to share some revelation with you that God has blessed me with. We're moving on right now. I've got I to answer that question. Third revelation. Oh, I've lost you, hadn't I? You want me to handle it tonight? No, I'm not. Jesus was the Lamb of God without blemish. John said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. God instructed the children of Israel concerning the purity of the Lamb. Your Lamb shall be without a blemish, he said in Exodus 12 and 5, a male of the first year you shall not take it out from the sheep or from you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats there could be no spot there could be no blemish the inspection process was extremely thorough and guaranteed a lamb that met the highest standards set by god in fact you got to get this when a high priest in passover took a lamb from a family he literally, come here, guys, come here. You three guys, come here. Any, many, and mighty, come here. I'll be Mo. All right. You'd bring a lamb for your family to me as a high priest. When I took your lamb, I would turn from you because you did not matter right now. What mattered was if the lamb was right. And the priest would go and inspect the lamb. It didn't matter the sin. It didn't matter the transgression. It didn't matter the offense. It didn't matter the problem. If the lamb was without blemish, he would say, go your way. You've presented me a perfect lamb. Here's the point. Jesus Christ was inspected through seven perfection, completion, distinct inspections. Pilate inspected Jesus. Put it on the board. John 19 and 4, he said, I find no fault in him. King Herod inspected Jesus and said, I found no fault in this man. He's done nothing worthy of death, Luke 23 and 13. Annas, the father-in-law of the high priest Caiaphas, said, I find no fault and passed Jesus along to his son-in-law Caiaphas. Caiaphas, the high priest, inspected Jesus and found no blame could be put on the spotless lamb. Judas inspected the Savior and said, I have betrayed innocent blood. The centurion inspected the master and said, truly, this was the Son of God. And the thief on the cross, oh, somebody help me, inspected the lamb of God and said, this man hath done nothing amiss. He said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Somebody say remember me Lord I want to ask you something Have you inspected him Have you you looked Jesus over Have you checked out his record Do you find any fault in Jesus Christ Is there any reason why we can't elevate Jesus In this house tonight Is there any reason why we say I cannot praise the Lamb of God tonight Is there any reason why somebody Would say I cannot magnify The Lord tonight I find No fault in Him, say Amen to that. Amen. Lord, remember me. Remember me. Fourth Revelation. Jesus Christ, the firstborn Lamb was actually the secondborn. This is a revelation. Exodus chapter twelve, verse five said, "Your lamb shall be a male of the first year." First year re- refers to the firstborn. The inheritance in Scripture and most cultures belong. To the firstborn male. I'm just trying to give you some Easter joy. I didn't say it'd be good. I said it'd be interesting. God does not consider men born after the flesh to be the firstborn. The Bible shows how Adam was set aside for the second Adam, Jesus. Cain was set aside for Abel. Ishmael was set aside For Isaac. Esau was set aside for Jacob. In each case, the firstborn was of the flesh. The secondborn was made the firstborn through the Spirit. Listen, only the spiritual order of birth matters. To us, we are born. But to God, we are born again. And if you're born again of water and of the Spirit... You are the firstborn. You get the promise. You get the inheritance. We are the church of the firstborn. Hebrews 12 and 23. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn. Which are written in heaven. And to God the judge of all. And to the spirits of just men made perfect. Everybody say we're the church of the firstborn. But it's because... Say it, it's because we've been born again. It's not your natural birth, it's your spiritual birth. Somebody get excited over that right now. It's your spiritual birth. When the Spirit of God fills you, you are the firstborn. The church is full of heirs and joint heirs, Romans 8 and 17. I'm through at that point now, I'm moving on. Fifth Revelation is that righteousness came through one, the man called Christ Jesus. Everybody say, there's no righteousness in me. My righteousness, say it, is as filthy rags. Righteousness is imputed to me from Jesus Christ. Boy, that's big time preaching right there. And I didn't even preach it. I just, I just quoted the Word of God. Romans 5 and 19 says, As far as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. The Passover lamb should be a male. It takes it, they take it from the sheep or from the goats. Goats? Really? Yeah. Goats refer to the Gentiles in the Bible. Sheep refer to the Jewish people. Goats will eat anything. They have an appetite. They'll eat cardboard. Sheep are selective. The Jewish people were kosher. Jewish people were fit to eat according to dietary laws of the Jew. So they would not eat shellfish. They would not eat anything, that, they would not eat anything unless it chewed the cud and had the split hoof. They, so they wouldn't eat pigs. But when we're converted as goats our appetite changes and we become sheep in our conversion and the goat nature dies. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, not my goats. If you're still running around wanting to eat everything and get your business and everything, you might still have a little "Ah, ah, ah," in you. You might ought to get a sheep attitude in you. Come on. Come on, let the Lord give you something that makes you want to do the right thing and be the right person and love your family right and love your kids right and be in church when you ought to be in church. Amen. (laughs) Sixth revelation. One Passover lamb was offered for each house. Exodus 12 and three says a lamb for a house. The shed blood was to cover every person, stay with me now, in the household. You know, the Bible said that husbands can be won by a a wife's chaste conversation. Do you know that if your husband never comes to church, you can go home and start talking about how good God is and God will save that old boy. It never says that a man can win his wife that way, but a woman can win a man that way. The shed blood was to cover every person in the house. Every person had the choice of whether to stay in the house where the blood was applied. Because of that principle of the lamb for a house, you and I, hear me now, have the legal right to claim every member of our family for God. I may lose my mind here, but in Acts 16, a Philippian jailer said, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household, you and your household, you and your household. If you'll believe your whole household. I need some daddies to believe for the house. I need some mamas to believe for the house. I need some parents to say this household is covered. By the blood of the Lamb of Almighty God. The harlot Rahab's house on the wall of Jericho. They told her if you'll put this scarlet thread out your window. When the armies of Israel come and march around this place. Your part of the wall will not fall. If you want somebody saved get them all in this house. That's why. Hear me now. That's why this preacher stands up here and lets whosoever will walk in the doors of this church. Because I know something. The blood of Jesus is on this church, the blood of the Lamb is on this church. The Holy Spirit abides in this church. We got to get them in the house. Woo! We have a right. To take dominion of our house. Hell does not have control of your house. The whole household belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, let's clap our hands. Wow. Wow. Seventh Revelation. Jesus, the Passover lamb, was killed between two evenings. Exodus 12 and 6 says, shall kill it in the evening. Everybody say, shall kill it? In the evening. Talking about the four-footed lamb. The Hebrew for evening means between two evenings. This illuminates... To us what happened at calvary for in mark chapter 15 verse 33 when the sixth hour was come sixth hour was noon there was a darkness remember the lord was hung on the cross at nine in the morning he died at three o'clock in the afternoon he hung there six hours six is the number of man he hung an hour for every number of man on this earth and would ever fulfill this earth There was a darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. So, from the sixth hour at 12 o'clock till the ninth hour at three o'clock, at high noon, something strange happened. Darkness came over the land and it lasted for three hours until three in the afternoon or the ninth hour. That's the hour that Jesus died. That's the same hour that the lamb was slain in the temple. It was lamb slaying time. And Jesus literally fulfilled the prophecy in Exodus 12 and 6 and died between the two evenings or two darknesses. Because after his death, the sun rose again at 3 o'clock. And then the sun set again at the regular hour. When I tell you that Jesus Christ fulfilled every teensy wincy bit Of any prophecy that was ever declared about him the sky got dark for three hours it was dark it was black they couldn't see anything and then all of a sudden the sun appeared again at three o'clock in the afternoon and then the sun set again and jesus died between those two evenings isn't it wonderful to know that when we preach about him we're not talking about some fictitious character we're not talking about somebody that just hopefully might have been We're talking about a Savior, folks, that came to fulfill the whole gospel and the whole whole Old Testament prophecy about him. And we're going to believe it more and more the more we hear. Revelation number 8. The whole assembly killed the Passover lamb. Everybody say the whole assembly. We read in in, in Exodus 12 and 6. And ye shall keep it up until the 14th day in other words keep it pinned up of the same month and the whole assembly of the congregation of israel shall kill it in the evening the whole assembly everybody's going to come nobody's going to be without a knife in their hand everybody's going to kill when the jewish people gathered at passover the lamb was killed by every house in israel say every house the children of Israel were told to memorialize that action in every Passover feast to come. Matthew twenty-seven twenty-five contains these startling words. When Pilate saw that he could, not, he, he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I'm innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Those words were prophetic at least in two ways. First of all, rejecting Jesus Christ, the nation of Israel, has suffered unbearably during the past 20 centuries, and you know that. Who can argue with that? However, there's another side of those prophetic words. It means that the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ rests on them and their descendants. That's the good news for the Jews. The blood of Jesus, see, the blood of Jesus don't think like we think about people that have denied Him. The Lord's mercy endures forever. And the blood of Jesus remains upon the Jewish people. One day soon, His blood shall save the whole house of Israel. That's why it's important, you hear me, I don't care how much you love or dislike Netanyahu. You hear me. Abraham was given a promise. Abraham, I'm going to bless people that bless you. And I'm going to curse people that curse you. I don't care how high-hatted and how noble that people that have not received Christ feel about us Christians. We are not going to put Israel under our feet. We're going to honor the fact that Jesus Christ came born of a Jewish mother. He was a Jewish carpenter, and he loves everybody. And we're that grafted-in branch. But we're going to honor the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he represents. Say amen to that. <laughs> Hebrews eight, ten, and 12 said, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, said the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God. They shall be to me a people. They shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord for all shall know me. All shall know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities. Will I remember no more? Hear me. If you want this Savior to be merciful to you and you want his mercies to be new every morning and his compassions to fail not, we ought to want everybody in this world to feel those compassions. We ought to want everybody in this world to feel those mercies, because it's not just for us goats that's become sheep. it's for whosoever will. Come on, let's clap our hands and rejoice in that right now. What a joy to know that. What a joy. I'm almost done. So, the time is coming when a great move of the Holy Spirit will blow over the land of Israel. When it happens, can you imagine the celebration that will erupt in heaven? God loves his chosen people more than any of us will ever know this side of heaven. I believe we'll be watching from heaven as the bride of Christ when this happens. That's just my thought process. If you disagree with that, I'm preaching. God's going to return his blessings to Israel. They're going to look at him and say, we're going to weep and say, it was you we crucified. And when he sees that. Number nine, the blood was applied to the lintel and both doorposts. And they shall take the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses, Exodus 12 and 7. Exodus 12, 22 and 23 says, For the Lord will pass over the door. Say, The Lord will pass. And not suffer the destroyer, that's the angel, to come into your houses to smite you. Not only did the angel of death pass over the door, but the Lord was there also. He would not let the destroyer come into houses. What a comfort it is to know that God of heaven guards our houses. I don't know if you folks have ever done this, but when the destroyer would like to come in, God won't let him. You know what you need to do every now and then when you feel a little quakiness in your house? You need to take some anointing oil and start praying over every part of your house. We used to call it pleading the blood. Now I know know I'm getting old countryfied and undignified right now, But when the enemy wants to come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. And the highest standard of the church is the blood of Jesus Christ. God says, look here, Satan, my standard is against you. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Jesus is the Lamb of God and he is also the blood sprinkled door. It's him that's the blood sprinkled door. The marks of the cross were still on him when he rose from the grave. And will remind us of what he did throughout all eternity. John 20 26 through 28 Thomas touched him and felt the scars in his hand his side and proclaimed my Lord and my God the moment that the blood is applied to you and your family the destroyer cannot overcome you I'm going to say it again the destroyer cannot overcome you I prayed for people in this altar on Sunday that's having problems in their mind, saying hell is giving them a fit. I'm here to tell you something the blood of Jesus is against the enemy of your soul. There is power, power, wonder working power in the blood of the Lamb. I've told this story before, but I feel like telling it again because the church has had attrition. I pastored in Dallas as a young man, and one day after a seven-day fast, I'd gone on a seven-day fast, the telephone rang at the church, and I was there ready for Sunday night. We had Sunday night church, and it was a voice of a woman that said, do you all have service tonight? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, do you mind if I come? And I said, no, ma'am, we love people to come. She said, but you don't understand. I'm from Anton LaVey's church in San Francisco, I worship the other side. And all of a sudden, I just got, if I had Harry, it would have stood up. <laughs> I'm not telling this for emotional impact. I'm telling this because of the power of God. So I, I paused just a moment. And I said, why do you want to come here? We had about 80 people at that time. We had just started that church, started with 15. Say, said, why do you want to come here? She said, because your kind of church has always been our stop sign. And when she said that, I said, ma'am, where, do you, where are you at? I'll have a driver come and pick you up. Anytime hell admits that we have something that he can't handle. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal blessing on this side of the aisle. So the old boy I had to pick her up also was my song leader. We didn't have praise leader. We didn't have no Randy Davenports back then. Oh, God, if we had a, we would have built a big old church in Dallas. But we just had a song leader. He sung out of the book. So I went to the song leader, and I said, before you go pick her up, I want you to do something. I don't want you to talk to this woman on the way back here. I don't want you to talk to her. But I want you to sing. I want you to sing there's power, power, wonder, working power in the blood of the Lamb tonight. And I want you to sing victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. And I want you to sing are you washed in the blood of the Lamb. Some of you people that's been around the church a long time, you recognize every one of those songs. So she came to church that night. She came in and she was a little little bit, you know, a little bit antsy. And I was a little antsy because I'd call one of my old boys that used to be a demonic worshiper named Charles Mahaney. I called him. I said, Charlie. I said, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a witch coming to church tonight. I said, what's she going to try to do? He said, she's going to try to put a hex on Rex. And I said, well, that's really cute. When you want to come and help me, he said, no, I don't, I don't want to come over there. I don't want to come over there. You handle her. I said, well, what, what's going to happen? She said, he said, well, she's going to try to look at you and put a spell on you. He said, when you look back, look through the eyes of Jesus Christ at her. And he said, he said she, won't, she won't last long. She won't last long. Really, honestly. And I'm not trying to evoke that tonight. I'm not, I'm not chasing. I'm not a devil chaser. I don't see a communist behind every bush. I don't see a devil in every, every, everybody. You know what I'm saying? I, I just, but this happened. This is a true story. And that old song leader got up there. He'd went and got her and brought her to church. He said, you know, that strange woman, Pastor. Strange little lady. I wonder what she's involved in. I never told him. (laughs) Because if I had of, he'd have been laying hands on her all the way to church. So, this is so cute. So he got to singing, are you washed in the blood, in the soul, cleansing blood of the Lamb? Then he said, I feel like singing this, there is power, power. She got up, she was about midway. She got up and ran out the door. Well, when she did, I went after her. I just went out the door. Nobody knew who she was. I didn't announce her. When I went out, she was in the foyer hiding behind one of our plants. She was hiding. And I said, ma'am, we're not going to hurt you. Come on out here. She said, stay away from me. Don't, Don't come close to me. And I said, why? She said, well, once again, we can't handle this. And she went out the door and her last words were, we'll never be back to this town. Because we can't get past this stop sign. Here's here's what I want to tell you. Here's what I want to tell you. The blood of Jesus is still the highest standard that the church possesses. We call it pleading the blood. Come on, folks. Open up your mouth. You take dominion. You take dominion. You take dominion. You take dominion. In the name of Jesus Christ, you take dominion. Number 10, the Passover lamb was to be eaten in haste. Everybody say, let's get in a hurry. Exodus 12, 8 through 11 said, And they shall eat the flesh in the night, in that night, roast with fire. Unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs shall they eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden and all with water, but roast it with fire, his head, his legs, and the pertinence. That's those gutty things, the guts. <laughs> and ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. Don't let anything remain, but if anything does remain, burn it. I don't want the lamb wasted. I don't want some birds coming by. And thus shall you eat it with your loins girded. Everybody say, Gird your loins up. Your shoes on your feet. Staff in your hand. In haste. This is the Lord's Passover. There was no need to stay in Egypt when they received, everybody say, Deliverance. Deliverance. Egypt represented slavery. Egypt represented bondage. Egypt was filled with gods that oppressed the Israelites. Eat in haste. Fast food. McDonald's didn't invent fast food. Moses and Israel had the first fast food. Eating in haste meant the difference between life and death. Staying versus leaving. Don't cling to the old life when you get delivered. Go. I preached it Sunday. Go. The reason so many believers are powerless and are defeated is because they simply refuse to lead Egypt in haste. if you're tired of the old life run to the new life if you're tired of hell beating you around and messing with you run to the new life there's a better life to live than squalling and fighting and fussing and drinking and partying and doing all the stuff and waking up with bleary eyes and hangovers every day and waking up with drug-infested mindsets there's a better way to live there's a better way to live There's a better way to live. Run from that. Get to the place of promise in your life. Mm. And number 11, and I close. Randy, help me. As with Passover and the children of Israel, the Lamb of God allows us to pass from death to life. Everybody say, Jesus died so I can live. He didn't die, so I'd be a defeated, dying man. He died, so I would be an ever-increasing living man. I don't have to die. Jesus did. He wants me to live for him. He wants me to walk with him. He wants me to share him. Because of the blood of the Lamb, the children of Israel passed from death to life. Everybody say, I should have been dead. dead. How many of you remember times in your life you thought, God, I'm dying. I'm dying. This thing's over. But God didn't let you die. Because you didn't know him yet. He let you find him. And because you found him, you've come from darkness to light. You've come from death to life. You've come from sadness to joy. Judgment may be around you, but the moment you experience salvation, the blood of the Lamb covers your life. You're no longer under judgment. You are under, everybody say, grace. Grace. Put your hands above your head and clap your hands for grace right now. Amen. You're under grace. I love this. I didn't put it on the screen, but here's my final thing. Psalms 91 says, he who dwells In the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor the arrow that flieth by day nor the pestilence that walks in darkness or the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see at the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and on the cobra and the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot because he has set his love upon you. Therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Let's give thanks for the word of the Lord tonight. Come on. Give thanks for the word of the Lord tonight. Give thanks for the word of the Lord tonight. Come on. Give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks. Everybody say, we passed from death to life. Come on, we passed. We passed. Come on, keep praising God. Give him praise for the cross tonight. Give him praise for the cross tonight. Amen. Amen. And that concludes today's podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news. To register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.